This is the Heartland Daily Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Heartland Seuss Daily Podcast. I'm Sterling Burnett, Director of the Arthur B. Robinson Center on Climate and Environmental Policy and Managing Editor of Environment and Climate News. I first became aware of Dr. David Wojcik way back in 2007 when I attended a presentation he gave at the Cato Institute, moderated by the late Dr. Patrick Michaels, discussing the ways that government uh, – I'm sorry, that may have been 2017, but he was discussing the ways that um, – Government funding was corrupting and undermining science. Subsequently, I invited David to join Heartland as a policy advisor and have interviewed him a few times for podcasts, though it's been a while. In addition, I go to him for quotes for environment and climate news stories on the intersection of science and environmental and energy policy. Recently, he's done an interesting series of articles on two topics that are important, one much in the news, the energy provisions of the laughingly titled Inflation Reduction Act, and the related but largely flying under the radar threat to already endangered North Atlantic right whales from proposed from proposed offshore industrial wind facilities. David's been kind enough to join us today to discuss this work. Thanks for being with us again. My pleasure, Sterling. I love it. So, David, because it's been a while since you've been on our podcast, please tell our listeners a little bit about your background, your education, and how you came to work on science policy in general and climate, environment, and energy issues in particular. Yeah, I um, well, I have a rather unusual background, which I suspect uh, helps uh, create uh, some of the novelty in what I write. Uh, on the one hand, I'm a civil engineer. On the other hand, I, my Ph.D. gets me into cognitive science, and I have specialized uh, on the research side on the structure of complex issues. And uh, in that regard, I, but since I'm an engineer, I tend to look at issues which have a lot of technology or a lot of science, because the Ph.D. is actually in philosophy of science. So I, I, I do a, 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 you know, kind of a, a strange combination. I look at uh, complex issues, policy issues, and see things happening that other people don't even know exist. Um, way back when, I was on the faculty at Carnegie Mellon. I helped start up what became the Department of Engineering and Public Policy. So I've been involved in this stuff, uh, particularly tracking environmental uh, madness, uh, I hate to say, uh, for many years. So uh, your article, we've, we've talked quite a bit uh, last, you know, on a few podcasts, and I've written about the Inflation Reduction Act and its energy provisions. Mm-hmm. And you've got it wrote a series of articles that take a de- pretty detailed look at it. Uh, but you have a unique take on uh, the Inflation Reduction Act, not uh, – whereas I find it very um, uh, damaging – and not doing much for climate, and certainly bad for the economy. You, you take a different point of view. What, what, what are your uh, if if the Inflation Reduction Act and all its energy provisions come into full force? How might it impact America's energy and economic security from your perspective? Yeah, um, my what I've been focusing on is things in the law that are probably not going to work, and 
if they don't work, it's going to be very interesting and in, in many ways I very useful. I would start with the fact that, you know, we, we standardly see these estimates of, uh, of how much is being invested or spent even. They, they will see $330 billion, $336 billion, $360 billion. Those are fantasy numbers. Yeah, a few billion here or there. Pretty soon we're well, talking no, about no, the, the, the law, the IRA actually only, there's only actually about $40 billion in federal spending, and that's over 10 years. All the rest of it in the climate side is tax credits, and we have no way of knowing how much those tax credits are actually going to be used, you know, and from the stuff I've been looking at, it may actually be not all that much. Uh, so it could only be a hundred billion, could be fifty billion. I don't know, but it's not. I, I seriously doubt that we're going to get anywhere near what they're talking about. Let me give you the best example, because uh, this is really exciting in a way. Is the uh, the investment, the, the tax credits for renewable energy? Okay, now, we all know that it's the tax credits that have made renewables profitable. In fact, it, uh, it can be argued that without the tax credits, we wouldn't have the boom in renewables that we've had. Well, the IRA does two things. First thing it does is slash the credits. It cuts them by 80%, cuts them down to about 20%, which is probably not enough to make renewables profitable. Then it brings them back up under certain very specific conditions. See, what, the, what, what they've done this time, just to back up a little bit, is they're trying to lever a lot of social engineering into what used to be simple programs. And this one is a beauty. Okay, you can get the full tax. If you're going to build a wind farm or a solar farm, you can get the full tax credit under one condition, namely every one of your contractors and every one of their subcontractors has to be paid union wages as determined by the Department of Labor. Okay. Now, I have a hard time seeing that happening. Okay, I, I have a hard time seeing people who supply cement or gravel or whatever to a, to a wind project or do landscaping for a solar project paying their people more than they normally do just to work on that project. Okay, so so uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not it's not as if it's not as if uh, guys who do dump trucks and cement trucks and contractors are underutilized at present anyway, right? <laughs> oh no, 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 there's, no, there's no, you know, and in fact, all right, let's. The first thing this is going to require is a some kind of certification, massive certification process, where every contractor and every subcontractor has to certify that they're paying these high wages, which are which they don't even at this point know know what they are. You know, they're going to have to go find them out from the Department of Labor. It's going to make enormously complex to work on a to work on a uh, renewables project, but it gets worse because if the the law is very clear that if one subcontractor has not paid the right amount of wages then the whole all the tax credits are canceled they're not canceled they're canceled for the taxpayer now the thing the other thing that's important is that in renewables a lot of the tax credits are sold 
and they're sold to other people who, you know, who need them. Okay, that's where the money actually comes from. Well, it turns out that if there's a, if it turns out that one subcontractor was not paid the right amount of money, not only will the buyer lose all the credits they just bought, but they're going to be hammered with financial penalties. And guess what? It's the IRS who's going to be auditing this stuff. In fact, we've just the one thing the IRA does is double the IRS's budget, give them another eighty billion, going to double their workforce and direct them to look at high price taxpayers. And that's, of course, where this is. So, so if you decide <laughs> you want to work on a renewables project, you know, not only do you have to pay your people more than you're probably paying them just for this project, but you're also opening yourself up to an IRS audit. Because when the IRS goes in and sees if these billions of dollars in tax credits are legitimate, they have to go all the way back to the subcontractors to see what they paid. Now, I see this as potentially a huge mess. In fact, I see it as potentially, you know, theoretically, it could kill renewables. Yeah, it could undermine the whole the whole guy. The whole thing. The whole yeah, the tax. Of... Would you want to buy something such that it, you have no way of knowing whether it's any good or not? And, and, and if it's and... not any good, you're going to hammered for buying. No, I, I, this could kill the whole market for uh, for renewables tax credits, which would kill renewables. So this is the kind of thing I'm looking at in the IRA. I, everybody just assumes that it's all going to work, and I don't. <laughs> yeah, they have, you know, they've got a similar problem with uh with the EV uh Oh pro- yeah. programs yeah, because yeah, the beauty with another another certification they, process where the, where the materials and the batteries have right. to be domestically generated. Yeah. Have, and we, we, and yet we're not case. and we're not generating any of these materials or batteries. <laughs> and no, in fact there's a big lithium mine in New Nevada is my understanding that's having, you know, it can't get started. And we're not going to start gearing up a bunch of mines. If we have to gear up a bunch of mines in order to get the $7,500 tax credit, then it, or that's actually a rebate. It ain't going to happen. Yeah. No, it's uh, it, there's it, a lot of this. It is. A mess. I had two other examples. If you got the, if you want to sure, hear them, sure, sure. Okay. Sure. They're much smaller. Okay. I mean, it's, you know, they're almost they're almost boutique, I suppose, because they're just four billion dollars a piece. One is a rebate uh, program for um, energy efficiency. Okay, if you want to put new windows in or something in your house. Okay, what they've decided, I mean, this is old stuff, right? We've had weatherization forever as a federal program. But this time, what they've decided is we're going to somehow measure your energy use and determine whether or not the project you're trying to get a rebate for has actually changed your energy use. And the amount of the rebate is going to be based on the amount of the change. Okay. From an engineering point of view, I have to say this is impossible. Okay. So, but you got to ask, you know, I mean, because, you know, I mean, if I do the job in, you know, in, in June or something, and you're going to look at my energy use in what, September and decide whether it's less than it was in, April, and it's because of this. Pro- I mean, it just can't be done, quite frankly. Um, I guess they could but, do it year over year, but even then, well, you're, then you're, you're asking to wait a year. What yep. you're going to have to, you, you first of all, before you apply for this thing, you're going to have to. Have, well, you got your bills, of course. 
you're going to you give them here. Here's what I did on energy last year. Okay, now I'm doing this project. Now we're going to wait a year to see if I get a rebate or how much it is. Who the hell's going to sign up? <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. It's like, look, uh, <laughs> I am I going to? <laughs> yeah, no, that's what I was going to say. Is is that uh, I'm I'm buying a pig and a poke here. If I yeah, undertake the project, I don't know. Or how much the rebate will be? It, it yeah, could be. Right, it could right, be. Right. What, so it's Five percent of the project, and and it's like, hold it, that's not. Uh, I laid out a lot of yeah. money. No, that's that's madness. Let's. Yeah. Uh, I know you had another example, but I think you've. Uh, no, that's okay. Those, you made the, a point. The renewables me, was the one to watch. I mean, yeah. this could crush the renewables industry. So, though I gotta say, if it could. Most of these people in the renewables game, I don't think are stupid. Um, they've made a lot of money and I'm wondering why they backed this. They thought it was such a good thing for them, you know, with these kinds of provisions, but it, that's speculating on their psychology. I don't know. Well, I, I, I haven't looked. I was going to look at uh, AWEA's website and see if they're doing or actually contact them and the Wind Energy Association and see if they're trying to set up certification systems or something. I, I just, well, you got to remember this thing was passed. I mean, this was rushed. It was, nobody read it. I mean, they just, as soon as yeah. Manchin said, okay, here's, let's, you know, Manchin Schumer made a deal and a week later we had a law. <laughs> yeah, no it's hearings. Like it's not, it's not like it's like not like anyone testified or anything. Yeah, right. No, so, no, there was no no hearings. There was nothing. Yeah. and just a bunch of Senate staffers working twenty four hours around the clock. No surprise, they made some mistakes, <laughs> which so, I'm enjoying. Another set of articles that you've recently yeah. written is about the push for offshore wind. Right. And how it threatens the North Atlantic right whales. Could you describe that a bit? And uh, yeah, this is this is this is going to be fantastic. This is going to be something to watch. When the one hand we got the government who wants to build, mm, say, thirty thousand megawatts of offshore wind. I mean, we're, my focus happens to have been on the Virginia project, okay? Because I've been in. Well, I can see the Virginia line from my house, um, where the first phase is. 2,600 megawatts. That's huge. That's one of the biggest wind farms in the world. But the second phase is another 2,600, making it 5,200 megawatts. It would be the biggest wind farm in the world. Okay. So we got these, and they want these things are set up to go right up the coast. Now, South Carolina's got a project, North Carolina, you know, all the way up to New York. Okay. Sounds, sounds like fun, right? just so happens that one of the most endangered species on the endangered species list occupies the east coast of the United States, and that's the North Atlantic right whale. Let me interject for just a moment. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not just on the endangered species list. My suspicion is, and I haven't checked, but it's also covered by the Marine Mammals Protection Act. Oh, sure. Marine Mammal Protection Act, and there's another one, too. In fact, uh, in fact, uh, one of the interesting things these wind farms are going to have to do is get what are called taking licenses. Yeah. You know, right now the wind, the onshore wind has has licenses to kill eagles, right? Yeah. Uh, it's over a thousand. They just raised the number. I think they can kill a thousand eagles a year. Well, there are only three hundred and thirty-six of these whales left. All right. 
And as I like to point out, if each of these projects just killed one whale a year, they'd be gone in about 20 years. We're talking about exterminating these things. Now, the Endangered Species Act doesn't supposedly doesn't let you do that. Right. So the fight that's about to, I mean, the whales are going to have their 15 minutes of fame. Because as soon as the environmental impact assessments come out for these monster projects, we're going to challenge them. What, you know, what, okay. are, what, are, the threat, what are the main threats to right whales right now? It's pretty simple. Actually, uh, I'm, my article this week, so you're scooping it in a sense, is, uh, is titled How to Kill Whales with Offshore Wind. It's kind of simple. These things are about 20 miles wide, the project about 20 miles wide, plunk down the middle of the outer of the continental shelf. Um, they are a wall of noise. In fact, I, I just got some interesting data, which I, I don't know how it's going to play out, but uh, NOAA Fisheries apparently has a standard that says you're not supposed to go above 120 decibels, and these monster turbines, apparently, when they're in operation, we're not even talking about construction, operation, produce something like 170. So there actually might be illegal to begin with. I'm not sure. Okay, they are, by the way, specking the world's largest wind turbines. You know, the stuff on shore is maybe two, three megawatts. We're talking about 15 megawatts apiece. So you've got a wall of noise 20 miles wide. Well, the whales are going to go around. I've done, by the way, as it happens, a bunch of work on animal cognition. So this is, this is in, my, in my ballpark. The whales are going to go around this sucker. They either go to the west or they go to the east. If they go to the east, it puts them right into the main north-south shipping lanes. The number one cause of death in the right whales is ship collisions. So this project would push them into this, this extremely busy. I mean, there's a huge amount of ship traffic up and down the east coast of the United States. If you're in Montreal and you're shipping something to Argentina or back, and every other port in between, there's a tremendous amount of, of shipping. And we're going to push the whales in. Or they could go to the east in close. That puts them right into what's called the intercoastal waterway, okay, which is tremendous amount of barge traffic. So... You know, the, 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 it, 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 it's obvious that if you push the whales into heavy traffic, you're going to increase the traffic deaths. And if the whales, you know, it, this is just a thought off the top of my head. Mm. If the whales somehow decide, you know, come to the conclusion. They don't care about the noise and it, swim it, through the thing? Yeah, then you've still got the problem of these are either anchored directly or by lines uh, to the sea floor, which could entangle or no, make no, I, that, no, that does not is, is different. Um, that's an interesting thing. These are nothing like onshore. They are these monster towers. Okay, we were talking hundreds of feet high. I think um, I think with the tips of the blade, it's eight hundred feet. It's just huge. Yeah. Each one is set on a single pile. It's called a monopile, which has to be driven into the ocean floor. And I mean a long way because 
this is, you know, we're, these things have got to stand up when the hurricane comes by, right? Like Fiona's going to come by, right? right? right. <laughs> and speak to them. Okay, the driving of the piles itself is unbelievably loud, as you can imagine. They have to, and we're talking like 200 of these things. Okay, yeah. so there's a whole construction noise issue. And then there's the operational noise issue. In either case, if the if the whales don't just come up and nuzzle the things while you're driving them in or while you're running them, then they're going to go out and play in traffic. Yeah. It's that simple. That's crazy. So, well, well, we'll see because the, you see the people who are doing the EIA are the Ocean Energy uh, – the Bureau of Ocean Energy Management, which, as I like to point out, their middle name is Ocean Energy. They have no interest whatsoever in these whales. Okay, we've already seen they did one little project up out of Rhode Island, which is not in the migration – oh, I should mention, we're talking the migration path. These whales migrate from Georgia and Florida – in the summer, all the way up to New England and actually Bay of Fundy uh, in the winter. So you got 336 whales going by twice a year. That's where we're concerned about pushing them into the traffic lanes. See what I mean? Uh, I, I no, I understand. And and yeah. uh, like you say, the BO, BOEM is is looking at it. But once the EIA um, is out. I mean, they've, they've got some other problems uh, with uh, sort of requ- state requirements of how much wind, how much energy they have actually, actually produced. But once the EIA is out, it's rife for litigation right. because uh, people will just go to the Endangered Species Act, Marine Mammal Protection Act, and they say, look, this violates these laws. You, you wouldn't let an oil company get away with this. We can't let a wind company get away with this. And yeah. though there are some environmental groups I know. Some environmental groups have been bought off. They've, they've come to the conclusion climate change is the most important thing so we can wipe out species. Um, ask, ask anyone about the, uh, the desert tortoise. Um, but groups like, as far as I can tell, groups like the Sea Shepherd Society that really care about whales and marine mammals, they haven't been bought off yet. So. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, oh, it's, I, I can hardly wait to see. Actually, there's a group called the uh, the North Atlantic Right Whale Consortium, which is headquartered out of Boston. I got some very useful data from them. They've actually pointed out that that the whales don't just swim by in one week or something like that. They actually hang around. So far, this is this is another thing that's going to be really fascinating to watch. So far, they have not said a single public word about offshore wind. They have filed some comments, which I have not seen, but they have not they're 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 back on the old issues of entanglement with fishing gear and uh speed reduction for sh- uh shipping. They I sent a I sent an email to uh, uh one of their people that well, not their people, but a guy that they mentioned who was doing work in this area. And the first email I got back said it was very angry, saying, "You know, I'm a fossil fuel lover." <laughs> These people are environmentalists. They're torn. They've got a they've got a real problem. They believe in climate change. They believe in offshore wind, but they also believe in the whales. Yeah. So how this is going to play out, I have no idea. But it is going to be exciting. What is the Inflation Reductions Act role in encouraging offshore wind? Does it do they provide some subsidies and things for that? I don't. I I, I don't know. Um, if there, I have not studied the whole law. If there's something in there, I haven't seen it. Uh, but except, of course, that the offshore wind 
because it's three times as expensive as onshore wind, desperately needs the tax credits. Right. So if the Inflation Reduction Act were to actually accomplish everything Biden, Schumer, Pelosi, and the other Democrats in power envision. So if, if you're wrong and they actually hit all their targets, all the proposed wind farms are built, all the renewables are constructed, what will be the effect on climate change? Oh, nothing. <laughs> Everybody knows. I mean, the, you know, the, be the, the yeah. Chinese and the, the Chinese and Indian coal-fired power plant expansion would just wipe it all out in a week. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, this it's ridiculous. Um, but, you know, it's not about that anymore. The, the, in my view, the, the renewables boom has, is, no longer has anything to do with climate change. The utilities are making a fortune rebuilding their asset base. Remember, the more money they spend legally – the more money they make. And yeah, the, they states, get co- the states plus. are passing, yeah. the states are there saying, oh, oh, Virginia has a law that says they want, you know, that we're going to be phasing out all fossil fuel by 45. Dominion has got a schedule uh, published as when they're going to shut everything down and, and what they're going to replace it with. And this, these wind farms are very big tickets. Okay, we're not dealing with uh, with climate change policy at this point. We're dealing with um, uh, utilities who are trying to make money. Well, it's fe- it's it's basically federal industrial policy. What is it? What yes, it is. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's fascinating. You know, I've been tracking uh, uh, the environmental movement for many years, and to see them opt for toxic industrial development. <laughs> like solar, right? I mean, it's just it's just amazing. I mean, it, it, they lost their way. Uh, well, they, I think they've become so blinded with hatred for certain technologies, mm. like like yeah. nuclear and oil and gas, that they don't understand, or they don't recognize that there are trade offs, and that um, doing an apples to apples comparison. Shows that there is no green energy. If by green you mean an energy system that has no environmental impact whatsoever. So, yes, well, sure. Uh, but they've actually become the idea, the notion that the environment, environmental movement has become one of industrial development, is is you know fascinating, laughable, right. but real. But real. Yeah, there you go. So, David, we've been pleased you could be with us today. I want to thank you on behalf of myself and our listeners. My pleasure. Listeners, thanks for checking in on us today. Please check Heartland's website as we follow the work of David Wojcik, which is most often featured by our friends at CFAC, the Committee for a Constructive Tomorrow, and as we track the progress of energy and environmental laws and regulations that affect you. In addition, if you're not already receiving these podcasts, tell your favorite device, go to iTunes and subscribe. And when you have the time, please rate our podcast on iTunes so you can help us expand the reach of free market ideas. Thanks. Take care. Bye. <music>